This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. So good to have you listening in, and uh, it's good to have you talking in, Richard. <laughs> thanks. Well, thanks. Um, this week, we want to uh, focus in on something that we've touched on before. Actually, we we're looking. I was looking back on the episodes. We talked about leaving a legacy about two years ago, almost. Yeah. Or actually, a little past two years. Yeah. Um, I think it was episode in the 40s uh, if you can go back wow. that far and listen wow. it's crazy that we've Jurassic been at this long i know period of our podcast <laughs> yeah yeah so uh but but uh but today we want to look at this in in a slightly different context or maybe just narrow the, the context of this um and and thinking about how we as leaders leave uh, a godly legacy uh, in our family yeah. And, and Sam, you know, that is such a big issue for so many yeah. people today, especially uh, if for those of you that might be listening who are baby boomers, uh, there's, uh, and we've had, and if you've had a millennial child, as I did, um, millennials, of course, are leaving the church in droves these days, and the younger generations, the Gen Z and so on, are uh, just not that interested in large part. And so there's a Everywhere I go, there are people coming up to me just heartbroken because their kids don't want to go to church or they've grown up and they've stopped going now that they're adults. And uh, and they're brokenhearted to say, what, what do you have to do to get your kids to hold on to God with this culture that seems to be trying to pry them away all the time? Yeah. Well, and that is the, the question. And so many people, I think, listening will, will likely be successful in their career and uh, perhaps even in their leadership positions, wherever they may be. Um, but oftentimes, and I know you've come across this frequently, is that people who are successful in business are not always successful at home with yeah. their own kids. And so maybe just walk us through some things that uh, that we can take away that uh, would be helpful. Sure. And, uh, you know, one or two just sort of... Uh, clarifiers maybe here at the outset and and one is some of our listeners may not have kids and so that may not be an issue for you uh but i i do feel like every person is certainly every leader wants to hope that their leadership in some way outlasted them yeah even if it just if you worked at a, at a you led a company for 10 years and then you moved on um you like to think that uh at least for a couple of years afterward, what you what you did, how you led, stayed somehow in the culture. It, yeah. it outlasted you, and so this is really about um, how do you lead in such a way that you know it's it's been said the illustration's been given of a bucket of water, and you put your you put your fist in the water the in the bucket, and then you yank your your fist out of the water, and about that quickly, of course, the water fills in the space that your hand was in. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people have said, well, that's about how long it takes for your influence to be gone when you leave a place. Uh, the next guy comes in, changes everything, how it's done, the culture adjusts, and they move on, and it's as if you were never there. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of heartbreaking, especially if you lead with all of your heart and you, you really want to make a place better and you've worked hard to improve things. You, you want to think that at least for some time afterward, uh, that there's a difference. And, and I've been in organizations that the founder has been dead for years. 
and yet they still revere him and his or her and his their influence and they still know that the founder wouldn't want that to be done that way or this way certainly that's kind of how we do things at blackby ministries I, I my dad is not actively leading anymore but uh but i know him well enough to know what he would never want us to do yeah <laughs> and the way he would want to be represented and so on and so he still exerts an enormous influence on how we do things even though he's not in the office every day anymore so how do you do that and but particularly with your kids so yeah. uh, so this applies whether you're just a leader at work but certainly i, I want to zero in today on kids and um, and I would also just say that there's no foolproof way because, of course, God's given every child free will. And so you may have done everything perfectly. You, much you may much have... to the dismay of parents across <laughs> yeah. the land. <laughs> so, you know, uh, for instance, in my life at this point, I would say as of this broadcast, my kids are doing well, uh, walking with the Lord, serving him, uh, as are their spouses. But uh, but you you might have done everything just like I did, and yet your kids might have made different choices. So you know I yeah. I, I don't want to say if you just do things like I did, then yeah, there's no formula, work out. right? Because there is that there is that uh, nebulous kind of uh, a, you know aspect of free will in every child, and they have different experiences. They go to different schools, have different friends different stimuli that come at them. Mm -hmm. And so every child is going to have their own journey. So um, I, I don't, I, I never present this to say, well, if you just were a perfect parent like me, then, you know, you would have a great legacy too, because my kids and your kids haven't necessarily faced the same things. They're not wired the same way. So I want to, I feel like I need to at least say that at the outset. Now, if you if you trace the Blackaby family tree, uh, you can go back quite a ways. In fact, as far back as we can trace, we can find Blackaby ministers and, hmm. in our family tree. Um, we tracked down some of those too. Yeah, we did. Ago. So back in around the 1850s or so, there were three Blackaby brothers that all went to Spurgeon's College. I think they probably were all there at the same time. Um, Frederick, I, I believe, might have been the oldest, and he... He went on to become a pastor of a church, uh, several past, uh, several churches in England over the years. Uh, so he studied under Charles Spurgeon himself. Um, and you and I actually went to his one of the churches he yeah, pastored in Stowe-on-the-Wold. Uh, what was that, like a 40-minute or so, 45-minute drive outside of Oxford, England? Yeah, yeah. And, um, we actually did a little video. Uh, yeah. See the church and yeah. you talk you, a little bit about that. You can find that on our uh, Blackaby YouTube channel under the uh, Blackaby, uh, the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast playlist. There's, you can find that video. Yeah. And I think that church was originally founded in like the 1600s. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the oldest Baptist churches in the world, I think. Uh, and he pastored there for a while. It's still a Baptist church. His, he had a younger brother that pastored and was a beloved uh, saintly uh, minister, and he died prematurely, but uh, was a godly pastor as well. And then the third brother was went to Spurgeon's College and was deeply impacted by him, but uh, ultimately felt led to go into business. And so he became he, he had a, a bakery, was a Christian baker, and that that man. Um, had uh, a, had some sons, 
And one of those sons was my grandfather, Gerald Blackaby. Uh, and he also, I guess, following the family tradition, uh, you know, he had two uncles that were ministers, and then his dad was a Christian businessman. So he actually felt called to be a pastor. But uh, his pastor at the time had said to my grandfather, oh, you're, you're way too talented of a young man to waste your life in ministry. He should, <laughs> he should go into business. So he heeded his pastor's bad counsel and uh, became, went into banking. But, but he really demonstrated that he was called to ministry all of his life. So everywhere he'd go, he would end up planting churches. And so just like his uncle's, he planted churches, and then he would pastor those churches until he got them up to a size where he could call a full-time pastor to come in. And uh, so he he did that. And so my dad grew up with that kind of father who planted churches, was very evangelistic, uh, constantly witnessing at work and leading people to Christ. And then, of course, my dad uh, was deeply impacted by him. And at one point, my dad was in a, a youth meeting and they, they called out the call. They challenged people to surrender to God's call in their life. And my dad went forward to commit his life, to, to surrender to whatever God had for him. And my grandfather, who was a, a godly layman, highly respected, was there. And he was actually one of the counselors. And my father actually went forward and came up to his own dad and said, basically, God's calling me into ministry. And my grandfather said to my dad, well, Henry... I feel like God called me into ministry too, and I missed it. I didn't. I I, I received bad counsel, and I mm. didn't didn't do it. And he said, "I really want to encourage you to go go with God, do what I failed to do." And so my dad did, of course, and uh, and God has used my dad powerfully. And my dad had five children. He had four sons and then a daughter. And all five of those kids uh, went into full time Christian ministry as well. Um, the, the four boys all ended up with doctor's degrees in ministry. My sister was a missionary in uh, Germany for a number of years with her husband. And so my dad had all five of his kids ended up in ministry. And uh, and now my dad's got 14 grandkids, and all, all 14 are Christians. All 14 are in church. They're walking with the Lord, uh, have embraced the faith, uh, 14 out of 14 at this point. And of course, some of them are still a bit younger ones, the youngest ones still in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, many are in college. Several are already past one at least is already a pastor and others are in ministry as well. Um, and of course I've got, uh, three kids and all three of my kids have been to seminary. Uh, and are serving uh, in either a ministry like ours. Two of them work with us in our Christian ministry. And then my oldest son is is a church planter, pastor in Canada. And now we've got grandkids. And yours is my youngest grandchild Mm -hmm. at this point. And uh, interestingly, she's only two, but a very bright two. Uh, but her favorite book to read at this point is the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got some really cute videos of her in her crib reading her Bible. And she wants to read it every day. And so, of course, she's only two. But I'm watching that two-year-old loving to read her Bible. And already, as her grandfather, I'm thinking, so how do we usher this next generation and in, in walk with them in such a way that when they're 22, they still love reading their Bible more than anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, my family, that's been my experience. And I know that that's not common. 
Um, I know that certainly in most families, there's at least one prodigal child that just went a different way. Uh, to have uh, my two younger kids both working for our ministry uh, and uh, my my older son as a pastor is, is unusual to have all three serving that way and that serious about their faith. Um, and so uh, I don't hold that up to say, boy, you should just parent like me. Uh, I, I really feel like I've kind of sat in the front row just trying to figure this out and, and observe what God has done. But uh, several things I would just share um, in terms of observations I have about that. And one, I would just say, some of you may be listening. I know some of you that listen, your kids are already grown and they haven't all followed the Lord. And so I don't want this to be a hard one for you uh, to even listen to. Um, Number one, I would say, don't ever give up. And some of your kids may kind of take a detour for a while. Uh, but as a parent, you, you've got an extra, uh, challenging call upon your life to be that person that just keeps praying them back in, uh, mm-hmm. and doing whatever it takes. And, and that, that requires some of the highest level parenting and leadership, uh, that there is, is how do you lead a, a, an adult child back into the fold? Uh, when they're an adult, they don't have to listen to you. That that takes high level leadership, and yeah. it takes perseverance. Uh, but don't give up. And it might be that for some of you, your 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 kids are now grown adults, and your your main challenge may be your grandkids. Maybe you've got a son or daughter that's just very hardened their heart to to the things of God, but um, but your grandkids still are open hearted, and and God will show you how to redeem them and, Mm -hmm. and connect with them and set an example and pray for them. So, um, a couple of things I would just share, uh, just kind of a a random list here, I guess. But one is, um, be intentional when you're around your kids or grandkids, or even just young people in your company, your organization, uh, always be thinking about what can I impart to them that will help them understand the culture. Um, don't just tell them what to do, tell them, how to do it. And, uh, you know, Sam, you, you and I've had some of those conversations, even as we've talked about Blackaby Ministries to say, not just, okay, let's do that or let's do that, but let's talk about why we do that. Like, why do we try to work so hard with people that, for instance, they have us come speak somewhere? I mean, why do we want to do things with excellence? Why Mm -hmm. do we, why do we try to care about the people and, and, and impart a blessing? You know, we don't just go and and speak in our 30 minute slot and then get out of there. We hang around and talk to people. We, yeah. we minister. And why do we do that? And so, um, you know, be intentional to just talk with your kids about, well, why do we do it this way? Uh, it's easy just to bark out orders. It's another to, to, to address the why. You know, why is this important? Why is it I've just chosen to do this? And sometimes with kids and younger people, we can be impatient. We just want the job done. But, uh, if you don't help them understand the why, then they'll, they won't care about the what. And so a second thing is just have high expectations. Expect that your kids are going to want to love your God and serve your God. Don't, don't be wishy-washy. I've learned one thing. If you, if you talk kind of wishy-washy as a leader, like, well, I hope you'll do this, or I'm, I'm hoping you'll do that. Um, then you, you, you already are sort of putting seeds of of doubt in their minds. So, 
you know, just say, I know you're going to, you're a smart boy. You're going to want, I know you will want to do the right thing. I know that you will want to honor God with your life and so on. Um, expect that they're going to want to do that. I, um, I always just assume that about my kids. I assume the best and then you affirm the best and you back up the best. But, um, but expect, don't, don't go in just as some, some parents, I swear, go in assuming their kids are all going to rebel. And, and sure enough, they all do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd assume that they're not going to rebel. I, I could be disappointed. I wasn't really, but, uh, assume the best. And a third thing is, uh, help, help the, the younger generation, especially your own kids or grandkids, help them to think, uh, don't, don't just, bark out orders, but help them to think and encourage them to think. And, you know, one thing that we did in that regard is we surrounded our kids with books. Uh, yeah. We kind of had a standing deal with our kids that if they would read it, we would buy it. If you, if, if you, you know, I, I didn't buy them 20 books and have them all sit on the shelf, but I'd buy them one book. And if they read that book, I'd bought them another book. And we spent a lot of money on, on books, but all three of my kids like reading. And of course, we're in a book club now. My kids are in their 30s now. And you're in the book club as well, Sam. And uh, we're we're taking on some pretty heavy-duty books sometimes (laughs) uh, that really stretch us. Uh, But I tell you what, it just does my heart good every time we have book club and I'm watching you and and my kids uh, wrestling with tough books and thought-provoking books and... You're adults now, but we're still. I'm still trying to just encourage you guys to think and uh, and and to process and work through stuff, and not to be afraid of tough issues. We've read books written by avid atheists. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid of you guys reading that stuff. But then let's let's talk through uh, what he says, and let's point out the fallacies, the shortcomings of his argument, where he's not consistent, and so yeah. on. So, uh, but at an early age. Uh, don't just always tell your kids what to think. Ask them questions. Make them think. Or if they give you a straight, if they give you the answer that they think you're looking for, come back and say, "Well, why is that? Or why do you say that? Or where in the Bible do you find that? Or, uh, or you know, you come home from church and just ask them. Well, did what did you? What's one thing that the pastor said today in his sermon that stood out to you? Uh, or did you agree with everything that he said? Or you know, or uh, do you think he used the Bible right there? Uh, and I mean, again, not don't try to train your kids to be critics of your preacher, but but get them to think uh, for themselves yeah. and 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 to to weed out stuff that may not be biblical, or at least sometimes it's like, well, you know, he said that, uh, but you know, to be ought to be completely fair, the Bible doesn't actually say that he was speculating there. It might have been that way, but the Bible doesn't say that that's what happened. It, it's just his speculation there. Um, and so just, just have a, you know, I, uh, with our, I grew up with that kind of environment where my dad would sit around the kitchen table and he would ask us questions and we would, uh, he, he'd make us think and he'd push us. We, he didn't take just simple answers. And I try to do that with my kids to help them to think. And uh, they all are great thinkers. They're all smart. I'll never forget, we were all at the beach one time in Destin, Florida, and all three of my kids, and you were in the thick of things there. And, and I remember, uh, I think Daniel was probably stirring stuff up, and uh, uh, and Mike was trying to, you know, pontificate about uh, what he thought. And uh, and I remember my wife, Lisa, getting a little 
concerned because it was, there was people were kind of animated and jumping in and talking about this and that. And Lisa was like, oh, she just didn't, she was just troubled that, that here we were on vacation and our family, our kids were arguing. And, and I had to say, Lisa, they're not arguing. They're, they're discussing. Like, and I said, you ought to be proud. Here we are at the, the, the beach and they're having a deep theological, philosophical discussion. Like, uh, I'm proud of them that they're even on vacation. They're still thinking about deep stuff and they're talking about it and chewing on it. And I said, we've got smart kids. And, uh, uh, so, you know, teach your kids to, to think, um, and a fourth thing is just watch for problems. Uh, as, as leaders, you, you want the fewest number of surprises possible. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be surprised. You don't want to find out one day that your child is dr- addicted to drugs or has been sleeping around or, you know, is an atheist now. Like there, there, there's usually signs that, that would indicate that they're moving in that direction. Uh, it, it might happen, but you you shouldn't be caught by surprise. You ought to be you ought to be watching them closely enough to be able to sense danger, to sense problems. And some of the things you can watch for certainly is the friends they hang out with. When our kids were younger, like when your wife uh, was a young girl, uh, we regularly encouraged her to have her friends come over to our house, and we listened in. We listened yeah. to the discussions, and if her friends were wholesome and and fun and and respectful, uh, they they were they heeded the rules that we set down. Then it was great, you know. Have your friends over whenever you want. We had friends that came over almost every Sunday afternoon. Um, but if we, if we heard them conniving, trying to get Carrie to do stuff that she knew she wasn't supposed to do, we heard that too. And those kids didn't get invited back. We, we were very careful, uh, to, you know, we wanted our daughter to have a good time and to have fun and have friends. But, but if some friend was going to try to be dishonest, uh, underhanded, deceitful, if they Mm. played games, if they, if they tried to turn Carrie against other friends, uh, you know, the little manipulative stuff, sometimes little girls can sometimes do. Um, we were very, we were on top of that early on. And I know a lot of parents that don't do that. They're not, they're not paying attention, uh, Maybe their, their their child doesn't want their friends coming over to their house. Uh, we tried to make our our house uh, a fun place to be. We Carrie had one friend that uh, she put in orders what she wanted for lunch when she came over. <laughs> I, I was the chef that had certain things that she liked, and uh, but uh, she was a good kid to have around, so we we accommodated that. Uh, but uh, but then I know other parents that one day they're just shocked to discover that their kid is is given up on the faith. And, and, you know, the sad thing sometimes is that there were all kinds of signs that there was trouble, but the, but the parents just didn't pay attention. I, you know, Carrie had one friend that, um, she was really having a hard time. Uh, She was a sweet Christian girl, but she was having a hard time in the public school. And she kept asking her parents if she could go to a Christian school and her parents primarily for financial, she had nice parents, but I guess for financial reasons, they just thought it was a waste to spend that much more money on a private school. They just kind of told her to suck it up and get through. Well, it was sad uh, because, and I, and again, I, this isn't a discussion about you know whether you should put your kids in Christian school or not. Yeah. But but when your child is being picked on and persecuted in school and begging you to to get her out, uh, and you you don't do anything, you just tell her to just hang in there. 
um, then then you you shouldn't be surprised when trouble comes. And yeah. that sweet girl now is not living a, a Christian lifestyle, not in church anymore. She's she's an adult now. Uh, and it's sad because I feel like there were all kinds of warning signs that this child was experiencing trouble. And the parents, they didn't really have a solution. They just like, let's just try to hope she grows through this. Mm. Uh, and so as a leader in your home, uh, when your child starts down a path away from God, away from the church, there's there's usually signs that that's coming. Uh, and if you're asking the right questions, if you're in dialogue with them, then uh, you don't have to be caught by surprise. You can see it coming uh, and, and you can address it early on. Yeah, well, let's take a quick break here and uh, we'll wrap up when we come back. God's people keep praying for God to transform Washington, Hollywood, or Wall Street, but revival always begins with God's people. If there ever was a time America needed spiritual reawakening, it's now. Currently, 70% of churches have plateaued or are in decline. More than two-thirds of young people who grew up attending church are leaving the faith before they graduate college. In The Solomon Promise, best-selling author Henry Blackaby shares the path to a renewal of faith in America and the restoration of holiness to God's people. We're now at blackabystore.org. Links will be in the show notes. Well, Richard, in the last couple minutes we have left here, um, what are some, some nuggets of wisdom that we can take with us as, as parents? Well, uh, yeah, just a couple more last ones, Sam, maybe just to touch on the fifth one would just be ask questions. Um, we, sometimes we do way too much talking and not enough asking. Yeah. If you want to know where your child is, uh, ask them questions. They I, need to talk. <laughs> yeah, at, what, ask them, what are you reading right now? What, what books are you reading? What, what, uh, who are you listening to? Who's your music group you're listening to? Uh, what's your favorite class at school? What, what, what have they said that's really made you think? And just kind of be listening for stuff that might be, uh, they, they might be being attracted by heretical beliefs or uh, atheistic uh, viewpoints or worldviews. Uh, you know, it, at first it just might be uh, just kind of intriguing to them. And so, you know, come alongside and, and, and help talk it through. And you may have to do some research yourself to find answers, uh, but, uh, but be asking questions. Another one is just set an a, attractive example of what the Christian life looks like. Uh, you know, sadly, the reason some of our kids aren't interested in Christianity is because they've watched what it looks like in their parents' life, and it's not attractive. Yeah. Um, live your life as best you can. You won't be perfect. I certainly was not perfect. But uh, live your life in a way that has integrity, that's honest. If you mess up, uh, admit it, apologize, um, strive to be better. Show your kids you're striving to be more and more like Christ year by year, and uh, but it's worth it because you just love God and all that He's done for you. So set and I tell you, there's such a burden on that. And again, it's it's still not foolproof. You know, Judas lived with Jesus himself and was not convinced. Mm -hmm. uh, so you you could be just like Jesus and still lose some of your kids uh, from the faith, but yeah. um, but certainly that at least removes one more excuse from them. Uh, and so make the Christian life as appealing as possible. And I'll tell you that doesn't mean you drag them to church every Sunday. That means you live like Christ in your home and around the dinner table and in the evenings. Uh, and when you have to discipline them and when you have to correct them and so on, be like Jesus then too. 
And, uh, and, and two last things. One that I, I really would emphasize is um, try to surround your kids with awesome Christians. I mean, try to yeah. be an awesome Christian, but surround them with other awesome Christians. And I know when our kids were growing up, uh, and even when I was growing up, my parents knew some amazing Christians, you know, people that were just dynamic, that were smart, that were funny, that were really good communicators, that were really great evangelists, and they would have them in our home. And a lot of these guys, you know, would, would let their hair down and they'd have corny jokes and they would like, most of them tended to like to laugh and play, you know, practical jokes. And, but they were awesome Christians and they love Jesus. And we, we just saw what, how, you know, what amazing people there were out there who were Christians and yeah. how cool they were and how fun they were. And that really just gave us such a good impression. Of course, there, there, of course, there are hypocrites out there. There are people that can also turn you away. That's why whenever there's an awesome Christian, uh, if you're a parent, invite them to your house for lunch, J- just for the primary reason of getting your kids around them. And get the, get, you know, inter- I, when I had people like that come to my home, I would say, hey, you know, tell, tell my kids about what you, got, what you guys do at your church or that mission trip you were on. Tell us, tell us about that and tell us about this. Or, um, and my kids would be just fascinated by some of these people. My kids, some of their biggest heroes were, were Christians who just were really cool. And, uh, and so get, get your, your kids around that when you travel, take them to churches on maybe vacation that are awesome, or just help them see what God's doing around the world and, and let them know that Christianity is a lot more than just going to church on Sunday. There's amazing people in the kingdom of God and, uh, and, and expose your kids to as much of that as you can. So if there's like some awesome mission couple that's at your church, approach the pastor and say, hey, what would it take to be able to have them come and have dinner at my house? And uh, just get your kids around them. And uh, don't. And by the way, if you do have them come to your house for dinner, don't just the adults do all the talking and let the kids kind of scamper off into the other room. Keep your kids at the table and engage them. Let them, don't just have the adults talk. You get get your kids talking to these amazing Christians. I've seen that happen before, where all the adults chatter away and the kids kind of quietly just you know leave. Uh, but it, get your kids involved in the discussion. Let them ask questions and let them you know be, hear what's going on and and at a level that they understand. And uh, and the last one I uh, just say kind of partly tongue in cheek, but not entirely. And that is just don't make following Jesus lame or at least appear lame that's uh yeah you know i that's like the worst thing that you could do my kids had to warn me you know dad that's just lame and um and sometimes the christian life can appear that way to to the younger generation it's just just going to boring church and listening to boring stuff um and so you may have to you may have to be very proactive and uh, we've talked a bit about this before but you know if your church is just going through really horrific times it might mean that for the sake of your kids, you need to get to a healthier church. I'm, I'm not one that tends to abandon ship, but I'll tell you what, it's not worth losing my kids and their faith because I was trying to hang into a really dysfunctional church. Uh, you may need to get to a healthier youth group somewhere, uh, at least for a time while your kids are in an impressionable age. Um, sometimes it's just, yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you go to church and maybe the pastor was just off that day. The sermon wasn't that great. It was boring. The music was kind of dull. 
Uh, and you, you got to kind of rate this Sunday. I mean, you want to teach your kids to be faithful, but let's face it, that was just not that the, the best, you know, out of uh, on a scale of one to 10, that was not a, in the top five <laughs> uh, services you've been to. That might be the time to go through a drive through somewhere and get their favorite food afterward. I mean, let's redeem. We did that at times. I mean, we literally thought we, we better get these guys a hamburger and ice cream today. That was a, that was a harder service. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> maybe a visiting speaker that wasn't very good. So my kids are, are leaving church thinking, ah, this is kind of a waste of our morning. Uh, well, let's, let's try to sa- salvage that. Let's have a friend come over on Sunday afternoon. Let's go through and get, get some fun food. Let's, let's do something a little funner. But, but we want to try to save the day and, and let them know Sundays and, you know, not, church isn't always uh, necessarily hitting the ball out of the park every week, but we'll find a way to make Sunday and church and the Christian life still fun, how, whatever we need to do. But uh, be aware of that. Don't let, don't let your kids just go have bad experiences at church or around Christians and just leave it at that. Uh, there's a way to turn that around, salvage that if you have to. But, uh, but, but always have the long-term view in mind. Uh, you're in the long game. And so you know, Sunday by Sunday, week by week, may not always be just uh, fantastic, but, but be thinking about how can I bring something good from this, plant yeah. seeds that will bear fruit later. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe address stuff early on so that it doesn't go, go even more sour in my child's heart as the years go by. Well, Richard, this has been, uh, fascinating and eye opening, And I think it's a, it's an area that everyone in, uh, you know, everyone in leadership and, and everyone in general, uh, hopes to have, um, a kind of legacy with their family that they can be proud of. And so, Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Well, just take care of that little two-year-old Claire of mine. I want her to be a godly young lady one day. Definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.